morning, Brave family. Good morning. So glad that you are here with us. Uh, it's a blessing to be here. It's an honor to be here. Amen. And, uh, and so thank you for joining us. If you're watching online as well, we're glad to have you a part of our Brave family. We know many of you are at home, and so uh, we're grateful that you're watching us and tuning in throughout the week, wherever you are. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, good morning, church. You can open your Bibles and turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. This is where we're going to be today. Galatians chapter 5. If you want to turn there, if you have your Bible, Bible app, whatever you brought to church, amen. Galatians chapter 5. We've been in a series uh, about freedom. That's why we called it freedom. And the book of Galatians is the book on freedom. And so I encourage you that you would go and read through the book of Galatians. Don't just plow through it, you know, in a day or a couple of hours and say, I did it. You need to absorb yourself in it, read it, and then look at your life and determine whether or not you are free in Christ. And what does it mean to be free? So the book of Galatians is all about freedom. Are you there, church? Galatians 5, so that you know I'm not lying. That's important, you know. There are false teachers in the, the world. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah. So make sure that I'm not a false teacher. So you need your Bible. <laughs> All through the book of Galatians, Paul is making the argument that we are saved by grace and not through the law. That's what the whole thing is about. It's a letter to some churches in Galatia that uh, are forgetting that you're saved by grace. You're not saved by the law. That's what the whole thing is about. So Galatians 5, verse 1, I, th- I think, is a summary of the whole book. So if you want the cliff notes, just read Galatians 5, 1, and you get the cliff note. All right. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I feel like having you read this with me, kind of traditional here. Can you read this with me out loud, church? What's on the screen? All right, here we go. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by yoke of slavery. That is a powerful verse. It's the summary of Galatians. Slavery is when your freedom is restricted or removed entirely. You've lost freedom when you become a slave. In some cases, all freedom. If you're a slave to a person, a slave to a thing, you've lost freedom. A yoke is a burden. It's often referred to as a wooden tool that was placed on an ox. It was a weight that would help them stay on track. It was used to control animals. We know that. It was a burden. It was a yoke placed on them. And it was a device for controlling. That they would be a slave to the one that's behind them, making them do the work. Paul says, don't carry a yoke of slavery. The word freedom used here means to be free from the dominion of sin. So the context of the conversation is about being freed from sin. And not to have a yoke of slavery. Paul says the reason Christ died was so that you would be free. In other words, he doesn't want you to be a slave. He doesn't want you to be a slave. He wants you to be free. He doesn't want you, doesn't want you to be burdened by the power and the weight that sin carries. He wants to free you from that. Two key words were being argued when Paul and his opponents He's making an argument. This letter is an argument. It's like a lawyer who writes his, his case and he's pleading his case with this church to help them understand this. So two key words that you need to know that will help you understand what Paul is getting at. It's the word legalism and license. Okay, legalism. How many of you grew up in a legalistic church? You've been to a legalism? No, I grew up in a legalistic. Woo, all the legalists here. Legalistic. What kind of things that they say? Women, you know, can't dress a certain way or can't, shout it out to me, anybody? No dancing. No, dancing. No, movies. no movies. No movies. No Little Mermaid. What? No rock and roll. 
How dare they? Those legalists. No Led Zeppelin. No eating dairy. No eating meat, man. Yeah. Anybody grew up in a youth ministry where it was like the six-foot rule? Do you remember that? You know, you could... Boys on one side, girls on the other. Yeah, leave room for Jesus in the middle. <laughs> Look at all of us people that legalist searches, right? Uh, yeah, legalism, you know. When we get the heart of it, most of the motive, by the way, and this is important to note, especially in the text, most of the motive of legalism isn't wrong. It's not the motive is wrong. The approach is wrong, but the motive isn't necessarily always wrong. And even the Judaizers that we're talking about, the opponents of Paul, their motives weren't wrong. It's not like they had bad motives to it. These individuals, at least, doesn't seem to be. But they were trying to impose on some legalist things into their church. So legalism, defined, think is best, wrong understanding or the wrong application. It's just the wrong understanding of the law. It's the wrong application of the law. That's why Jesus would come in and teach them. That's not what the law is about. Or Paul would say, this is not what the law is suggesting. It was just a wrong understanding. It was a wrong application of it. And the biggest concern that these legalists had was the same thing that many of us or people who grew up in a legalist situation or legalist family or typically the concern or fear was that if you are saved by grace alone, then you're just going to carry a license to sin. That if you are just under grace, then you'll just run wild in grace and uh, you'll have no control over your life and you'll just sin all the time. And it's like a, a get out of sin free card at Monopoly. You just can go sin as much as you want because you're under the cloud of grace. By the way, when I say the word law, many people don't know what law is. So if I could tell you and you'll go, okay, I understand it. Here's what the law was, the Ten Commandments. You say, well, no, there's 613. Right, but the Ten Commandments kind of summarize the 613 laws. So when I say law, I want you to think about the Ten Commandments. Okay? Yes? So I want you to think about the law. So these guys are trying to fulfill the Ten Commandments. Really, there's a lot more. But they're trying to fill these Ten Commandments. Consistently, every single day, this is how they're to live their life. And they thought Paul's doctrine on liberty or freedom was false. It can't be just by grace that you're saved. That's the whole debate. Paul's doctrine of liberty was not dangerous it was actually the legalist doctrine that was dangerous because legalism attempts to do the impossible and obey the whole law. It's impossible. All 613 of them. It's, it's, a, it's a pursuit to obtain perfection on your own. That's what legalism tries to do. That you'll obtain perfection righteousness, holiness on your own. Paul would say it's legalists that live in bondage because the person that's trying to obtain salvation through the law eventually rebels from the law and so they become a slave again to sin. They just become a slave. It's an acknowledgement of, I, I can't do this thing on my own, and they recognize that sin has power over their life. And so even though you're trying to obtain perfection through obedience, you can't achieve it, and so the sin stays in you. So you're still a slave to sin. You need to be freed from sin, and you cannot be freed from sin by obtaining righteousness through obedience of the law, because you won't make it. Therefore, sin brings about a heaviness. It's a yoke of slavery, something that we cannot overcome on our own. Let me teach it to you this way. Okay, jealousy is a sin. Envy is a sin. Uh, murder is a sin. Idolatry is a sin. 
Um, I'm losing track here. Honoring your parents is a sin. Not honoring your parents. Um, lying is a sin. Okay, so if you think it's possible to obtain holiness or perfection on your own, I want you to attempt today to not commit one sin. How many of you think you can make it today? Okay. For all those watching online, no one is raising their hand. How about this week? This whole week. Go seven days without sin. No jealousy. No envy. Right? No lying. No deceiving. Mixture of lie and truth. No gossip. Like, think about all these sins that we commit, and yet he's saying, man, you could try to attempt perfection on your own, but you won't make it. In fact, you could show up to church, get on your knees and weep and cry, say, Lord, I won't, I don't want to sin anymore, and you genuinely don't, but then it comes, and then you fall into sin, temptation, and you... James said it's a sin actually to do the thing, to not do the thing that God has told you to do. James said that's what sin is. When you don't even do the thing that God is instructing you to do, that's sin. How many of you have been told by God to do something and you didn't do it? Okay, sinners. By the way, the title of the message is, I'm just saying on the same flow, to all my sinners. (laughs) So... You've been told, how many of you are currently not doing something God's told you to do? You are perfectly obedient children, the ones who, no, I've done everything the Lord has told me. Everything. I am currently without sin. Raise your hand if you're not doing something currently that God has told you to do. Like, think about it. All the laws to love your neighbor as yourself. Nope, I'm doing it. Liar (laughs) to all my sinners. Every one of us falls short of the glory of God. And so we are all in sin. Paul's whole thing is, this is what Christ has done. He has freed you from sin. He wants freedom for your life. So Paul says, this is what Christ did. He died. He rose again that we might be freed from the heaviness of The yoke of slavery, and it's only through Christ that we are set free. It's the idea that says this is the law. It's to take the Bible. This is the best way I can maybe illustrate this for you. If I said to you, you have to obey this to get into heaven, you have to do everything this says to do perfectly. This is what you have to do. Everything this book says. In fact, many people think that this is what Christianity is. In fact, many Christians judge other Christians because that person doesn't do everything this thing says when they themselves don't do everything this thing says. So, legalism puts a yoke of slavery on you. If you're a real Christian, you would do dot, 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 dot. When they themselves don't do everything that Jesus said to do. And so the Christians are notorious for putting the bondage of slavery, the yoke of slavery on other people. We're notorious for it. Well, at least I don't deal with dot, 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 and you got dot, 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 and I mean, gosh, you know, you should be over that by now, dot, 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 and we're just so good at looking at other Christians and judging those Christians because they're not fulfilling, you know, out of the 613 laws, if you would, we're only disobeying 100, but they're disobeying 300. So we are more mature, we're better, which in of itself is a sin. In fact, Paul would suggest that if that's the way you talk, you're actually like a child again. You're immature. Because you're still underneath the teaching that it's the law that makes you righteous or more righteous. 
And that is, in fact, not true. A sign of spiritual maturity is understanding it's all grace. So if you're good at judging other Christians, then by definition, you have to think you're a little baby again. You're like a child. Because you think somehow that you've obtained more righteousness because you adhere better to the law than maybe somebody else. Man. So Christ has come into the picture and he says, I'll carry the yoke. Some of us know the scripture. Matthew writes this in 28. Jesus said, come to me. You know, and even other religions, Buddhists, uh, Islam, you know, different religions point to different paths that you have to do in order to obtain peace. But Jesus said, all you have to do to be free is just come to me. And the Greek word for come simply means to believe in me, place confidence in me. In other words, watch, you don't have to do a thing. I've already done it for you. Just, just come to me. There's no path to peace here for me. There's no steps to righteousness. The only step you have to take is believe in me. And then if you come to me, if you place your confidence in me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you as Weary and burdened from what? Oh, just the weight of life. No, from the weight of sin. That you can't escape sin. No matter how hard you try this week, you can't escape sin. And so Jesus says, I've come to remove the weight of that sin on your life. You're heavy and you're burdened. But I want to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. Oh, if the church could just be more gentle and humble. Gentle and humble. And you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. The yoke of Christ, he says, is light. He came to lighten the load, to take off sin so that you could experience freedom and provide rest for your souls. An eternal rest, by the way, for your soul. When we place our faith in Christ, he removes the burden of the law and we are now under grace. I want to give you three types of yokes. The yoke of sin. That's what the unsaved carry. The one who does not place their confidence in Christ. They carry the yoke of sin. When you were born in sin, you carried the yoke of sin. The burden of sin. That's the sin. It's the fact that you can't escape it. You cannot live life without sin on your own. You can't. So you carry the burden. It's the unsaved. Those who have decided, I will not carry the yoke of Christ. They're saying, I'm going to obtain perfection or holiness by myself. And so they carry the yoke of sin. Imagine, imagine this like a big picture of weight on your life. But then you have the legalist. Meaning they're saved. Right? It's justification. But they're trying to obtain justification, not just by grace, but also by the law. And this actually, uh, kind of Old Testament here, would be under the yoke of Moses. That's what they would refer to it. The yoke of the law. That they would carry the burden. That we're going to obtain righteousness through obedience to God's word. That's how we're going to obtain justification. Along with grace. We'll, we'll take grace, but you still live like you have to obey the law in order to have justification. And then the Christ follower carries a yoke of grace. Meaning you don't have to do a thing. And yet right there when I say that, there's a tension in people who goes, that doesn't feel right. If you tell people they don't have to do anything, then they will just run wild. They'll carry the license of sin. Don't say, it's all grace, Paul. Don't say they don't have to do anything because if that's the case, they'll take the license to sin and they'll go live however they want underneath this cloud of grace thinking, I can live, I can do whatever I want now because Christ has died for me. It's this tension. Don't say that. And Paul would argue back, no. 
No. Because once a believer is filled with Christ inside of them, and we'll see this in just a minute, they will live according to Christ. Follow the teaching on this. So here's how Paul... Actually, before I get there. The reason the law was given, by the way, was to show us that there's something wrong with you. It reveals your imperfections. I wrote down earlier. It's like an honest friend who will not lie to you about your issues. The law reflects all of the things that are wrong in you and in me. It shows you're not perfect and it's unobtainable to reach perfection. All the law will do is make you feel worse about yourself. So Christ had come so that we wouldn't try to obtain perfection on our own, therefore remove the weight of sin and control over our lives. He freed us from being slaves to sin. All right. So here's how Paul continues. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. See, the legalists were picking and choosing on the laws that they wanted to obey. And so they were saying, if you're a Gentile, you're not a Jew, you need to be circumcised in order to obtain justification. And yet Paul says, no. Because the moment you put yourself underneath one law, you put yourself underneath, underneath the, the whole law. That was like modern day uh, language where you tell somebody, see, real Christians, dot, dot, dot. If you really want to be a Jesus follower, you got to dot, dot, dot. And if you put one rule on them, he says, you're putting the whole thing on them. Stuff that you can't even obtain. I'll give you an example of this. You ever been pulled over by a police officer before? So let's say for an example, you're, uh, anybody ever been, how about you ran a red light? You ran a red light. Any red? Man, what is wrong with <laughs> Ran a red light. You ran a red light? That's jacked up. <laughs> An accident. You saw the yellow and you went for it. Come on. Anybody? Yeah, look at, look at you. <laughs> and I love the fact that some of you are smiling. Seriously. Like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Don't put the Brave Church sticker on the back of your car and be pew, hoping it bails you out. Um, so if you run a red light and you, the cop pulls you over, tell me how many of you think this would work. Cop pulls you over. He says, you know, let me see your license registration. You know, do you know why I pulled you over? No, I don't know why you pulled you ran a red light. Oh yeah, that, yeah, I I didn't, I forgot. I didn't see it. It was an accident. (laughs) Think about trying to tell a cop this and see how it would work. You know, officer, I did. I ran the red light, but... But I haven't lied this week. Do you think the cop would be like, that's a great point? (laughs) No amount of obedience can make up for one act of disobedience. That's Paul's whole argument. Can you just consider for with me, church, family, how bad you need grace on your life? Just as much as the next person. Do you remember the prayer of the two men go to the temple? Two men go to the temple to pray and one man says to God, God, thank you that I'm not like that man over there. I don't struggle with those, those things he's struggling with. That poor man over there still doesn't show up to prayer at 9 a.m. in the morning. Mm, I thank you, God. I'm not like that guy. Still lacking in faith, still worrying. And all these just things that we could say. And then yet one man goes before God and says, I'm not even worthy to stand in your presence. And I don't know how long that man had been following God's teachings. I don't know his age. But you know, my hope would be in a way that this would be a person who'd been in church his whole life. I kind of hope it's a person who maybe has been in 
in, in God's presence for many years and obeying God's word and trying to do everything he can to be a Christ follower. And, and yet still, at the end of his life, he's saying, I'm not worthy. My encouragement today to us is that you would never leave that mentality that the necessity of grace isn't like so necessary in your life. Man, it's grace. That's Paul's whole point. Verse 4. You who are trying to be justified by the law have alienated from Christ. He says you've fallen away from grace. Paul didn't want this church to be lured back into trying to be justified through law after they'd already been saved by grace. Question, who do you trust more to get you to heaven, yourself or Jesus? Those who don't follow Christ are simply saying, it's, it's me. I'm going to trust in my own righteousness to get me to the place of holiness. Paul's trying to help them understand that's no way to live. When we trust in ourselves, we're denying the work of cross. He says, you've removed yourself from the cloud of grace. You've fallen away from it. And Paul's heart is just wrecked over the church by this because he thought you're supposed to know it's through grace. He continues in verse 5, For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the, un- the righteousness. We eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Circle the word faith if you have your Bible out. Faith. Faith of the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The law has no value at all. In Christ Jesus, when Christ is inside of you, so when you're in Christ and Christ is in you, the obedience to this law is of no real value to you. Don't try to obtain righteousness or think you're more righteousness because you obey many laws. Because one act of obedience doesn't remove the act of disobedience. So, you're all in need of the same, if you would amount it, amount of grace. Regardless of how obedient of a child you are. The grace is needed for all. And it's the same. The brother of Jesus, James chapter 2, I think it's verse 10 or verse 7, I can't remember, but James chapter 2, the brother of Jesus said, if you disobey one part of the law, you've disobeyed the whole thing. So even if you obey 612, James said, it's like you disobeyed all of them. But you would say, that's not right. I, I, like, I, I'm good. I'm a great Christian. I, I don't do this, and I don't do this, and I don't do this. But you still do that. Yep. Well, that's like doing them all. And I know what you're thinking. Well, in that case, I'm just going to go do them all. This is great. You know. And that was the fear that the Judaizers had, that people would just live as a license to sin. And Paul says, no, 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 no. This is the point I want you to understand. He says, no, that's not what's going to happen. Because a person who's filled by Christ, and Christ is inside of them, when Christ comes inside of you, the desire of your spirit will change. Everything will shift. So he's not talking about just anybody. He's talking about a person who's in Christ, and Christ is in them. And he says, but when Christ comes inside of you, those desires of sin will leave you. And you'll be able to obtain freedom from sin because Christ is in you. Like only Jesus can give you the power to triumph over sin. So if you want hope to not sin, put Christ inside of you because he is the only one who has the power to not sin. So that's how we overcome sin. And we fight off temptation from sin. Because we are filled with Christ and his spirit. But if you don't have that, you don't stand a chance up against sin. So Christ has come to set us free. This is why Paul writes, the only thing that counts, 
the only thing that counts. If you underline things in your Bible or on your phone or highlighter, like this is a line you should underline and circle and put a little exclamation points or something or a little asterisks or hearts or whatever you want. But the only thing that counts, think about the summarization of this statement, the only thing that counts. The only thing... You guys are trying to obey the law. You're trying to put the burden of the law back on the church. No, we're saved by grace. That is it. And the only thing that counts is your faith expressed in love. That's the only thing that counts. So if you want to know what moves the heart of God is faith expressing itself through love. That is what God is after. If you want to try to obtain justification through the law, you won't make it. But if you want to know what real Christians do, real Christ followers do, here's what they do. They express their love through their faith. Their, their faith is expressed by the way they love. See, listen, if you have Christ inside of you and you express Christ's love through yourself into the world around you, this will not be a person who's entangled in sin. It'll be a person who's actually freed from sin. This will not be a person who's tied up in greed. This will be a person who's tied up with generosity. Because Christ is inside of them. When Christ comes inside of you and you think about telling a lie, sin, Christ will convict you and you'll think about sinning and lying, but then his conviction will overcome you and then you will not be able to tell the lie because his conviction is so strong. And the moment you tell the lie anyways, internally you're repenting, realization comes that you are still a sinner and you need God's grace. Have you ever been convicted by God in the moment and you thought about lying and it came over you and you decided not to tell the lie because the Holy Spirit convicted you? Do you ever feel like God spoke to you? He put something inside of you, you know, and, and you're supposed to be generous, but you're like, no, it's mine. And all of a sudden, you know, you're kind of in that greed moment and things and it's like the greed versus the generosity. But then you decide to be generous because the Spirit was convicting you in the moment. This is what Paul is saying. When Christ comes inside of you, you'll become a slave to Christ. And you won't want to sin. Because of Christ inside of you, it's only the faith expressing itself through love that counts. If we are not expressing our faith in God through our love for others, listen, nothing else we do really matters. His point was, you can obey the whole law, but if you're not expressing your faith through love, it doesn't matter. Think about how many times Paul would write about the necessity of love being the greatest of all. It's got to come through love. Whatever outwardly religious acts you do means nothing unless it is done out of a genuine heart of love towards God and others. Verse 13 of Galatians says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled. If you want to fulfill the whole law, then keep this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the act of real Christianity. You want to fulfill the law? Just love your neighbor as yourself. How are you doing? You know, how, how are you doing? You see that conviction I just brought on you? I can't believe, you know. No, he's saying, this is what happens to the Christ follower. The Christ comes in you, and then the faith that you have in him begins to express itself. It begins to move a change in your spirit. And all of a sudden, you go from one kind of a person to a different kind of a person in different areas in, of your life. So it's not like, well, I used to sin in that way and I don't anymore, so now I'm a better Christian. No, it's Christ has helped me accomplish that one. But the moment I conquer one sin, the Spirit of God reveals another one in me. And then I go, and then I go, and then I go. And what you realize is, yes, I'm growing. I'm not stuck in the same sin. I am moving away from those sins. But the moment I'm freed from one, I realize I'm still tangled to another. 
And so it's a constant journey towards pursuing God's holiness, which you can never obtain. But it's Christ's work inside of you that changes you and molds you and shapes you. And so Paul's argument is, you're called to be freed from sin. And yet many people still think Christianity is about a bunch of uh, rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. That's not what Christ came to die for so that you would obey the law. No. He came to set you free from the law. Christian liberty is not a license to sin. You've got to hear that. That was their concern. If Christ died, then he set us free. I could just believe in him and then do whatever I want. Paul would say on the contrary. If that's the way you live, you don't have Christ in you. You've got to hear that. Not because of obedience to the law, but the fact that you don't care about what Christ has done in you or what the work of cross did. It's like, no, 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 no. When you have Christ inside of you and he comes to reside and he lives in you, you'll desire the things of God. Your heart will be transformed. So when you sin, you'll run and turn from that sin. Another sin will step in front of you, but you'll keep on growing and keep on turning from sin. Grace is not a license to sin. When you're filled with God's grace, you will flee from it. You will run from it as fast as you possibly can. It's not a license to sin. Christian liberty is not a license to sin. Here's what Paul says it is. It's an opportunity to love. It's an opportunity to serve. When Christ comes in your life, you begin to do the thing that you didn't naturally do when you were a child. You begin to put other people in front of you. One of the greatest signs of a spiritually mature Christian is you first, not me. How you doing? You don't have food? Take mine. How you doing? You can't pay a bill? Let me help you out. You need a home? Have mine. You need a shirt? Take it off your back. Give it to the one in need. Don't deny people what they need when you have it that day. That would the Gospels teach. How many more stories you may throw at you about meeting the needs of people? Faith expressed through love. Now you feel beat up. Good. <laughs> freedom plus love, serving others. Listen, freedom plus love equals serving others. Freedom minus love. Here's the point is still serving sin. That's like an equation I just wrote down in my notes. Freedom plus love equals serving others. But freedom minus love, that is you're justified minus the love, you're still serving sin. Sin is still your master. He says you want to obey the whole law? Love your neighbors yourself. If you're after one thing, be after that. See, love is powerful because if you love, because of Christ lives inside of you, you won't lie to them. And if you do lie to them, it'll eat at you until you say, will you forgive me? See, ever lie to somebody they loved and it ate at you until finally you went and said, I'm sorry I lied to you. I'm going to keep going until I get every hand eventually with a list. And I'm going to keep my hand up because I've done them all. If you love because Christ lives in, listen, if you love them, you wouldn't envy them. You ever envied somebody? Christ says, well, if you actually love them, you wouldn't envy them. If you love me, you wouldn't envy them because you know that I'm the one that distributes the gifts. And yet you're still envying their gifts. If you love them, you wouldn't hurt them. Oh, Lord. Jeez. You wouldn't hurt them if you loved them. And when you did hurt them, you would ask for forgiveness. 
when his love is in you, you will fulfill the law. That's Paul's whole point. When Christ is in you, you will fulfill the law. Not by obeying 613 laws. Not by obeying the Ten Commandments. But you'll fulfill the law because you'll love your neighbor as yourself. It's faith expressing itself through love. The hope for every parent is that one day love replaces law. Isn't that the hope for every parent? You once train your kids to do things, and do you know how you currently train your children to do things? Through discipline. I hope, for the love of Jesus, discipline your children. <laughs> you discipline them. Now, how you go about discipline, I'll leave that to you. But isn't that what happened to all of us? We were trained, we were disciplined to some degree, where you tried to discipline your child, but then something happens. Eventually, they grow up, and you can't discipline in the way you once did. And what, what's really happening in the life of a parent, when they, when they have that moment, the realization that I can't discipline you anymore, you're hoping in that moment somehow love replaces law. At some point growing up, this is what Christ did with his children, I'm going to discipline you through the law. But my hope is, at some point, your obedience to the law comes through love. That you don't just do it because of fear of discipline. You do it because of who you are. And what I've taught you. And what I've shown you. Every parent wants to see their child make decisions out of love for others. Not out of discipline. Eventually, the hope is that love replaces the law. And they begin to do good, these children, because they're motivated by love for others. I don't lie. Think about your child. I don't lie to my spouse. I don't meet treat my child. I don't do this wrong. I work hard at my job. I succeed in the things that I do. I give my best effort in the things that I do. All out of the root of loving other people. A love for the Lord and a love for others. That's, that's what you want. That's what Christ wants for you. That would go from law to love. It's the Holy Spirit ultimately who helps us love, which evidently they're struggling with because he even says that they're attacking one another in Galatians. So I'll share a story with you. Something happened uh, to me. I just wanted to be kind of a self-disclosure to all my sinners. I just thought that was a, really a title for myself. And uh, to my sinful self, if I were to write a sermon to me. So I told you that, you know, his whole point here is that you're, you're justified uh, through grace. It's only grace. And I just thought I would show you the humanity side of me. Because I too struggle with allowing my faith to be expressed through love. So let's take greed and generosity, for example. You ever been in a situation, like I said a moment ago, where you just thought, I really don't want to have to give that away. Like, that's mine. I worked hard for it. I deserve it. Come on, all my people who feel like you deserve it, raise your hand. You know, and then God puts you in a situation where you're like, come on, you can be generous here. And you're like, no. Anybody? And I'm not talking about money right now. So we don't get, think to get this twisted. I'm talking about money necessarily. How about time? I don't want to have to give them time. It's my time. It's me time. Come on. You know, whatever it may be. Right? Generosity. So, Paul says, if you're going to be a Christian and allow Christ to live inside of you, you need to express your faith through love. That is the way that you reveal Christ in you. And even for those people who have Christ inside of them, they still struggle with expressing their faith through love. And they realize in different areas and moments in their life, they still are in sin. This is the whole point I want you to understand. I want you to know today, you are a sinner now and until Christ comes and frees you from it. 
and you're freed from sin. Let me say this to you. You're freed from sin the moment you place your confidence in Christ free. But you would say, but what if I still find myself in the sin? What if the sin still grabs a hold of me? Oh, what a wretched man I am. It is Christ's work, grace that I need that saves me for salvation. That's it. That's just grace. You realize that all you need is his grace. And it's only through grace that you can be saved. That's what happens in a person who has Christ inside of them. And they don't use it as a license to sin. They run from it. And the Holy Spirit will keep convicting you and convicting you and convicting you until finally you say, I surrender. So the other day I was shopping at a store. And uh, man, like a moment of greed got the best of me. Like, it was like, this, this is mine though. So I tell a funny story. So last Sunday, Kenny right here on the front row. We were shopping at Publix and Publix had a BOGO on some really special coffees. It's called La Cologne. You ever had one of these? Oh, it's so good. It's like my favorite. And then they have oat milk, because I don't do dairy. So they have oat milk. Not because I'm tied up in the law, but I just choose. But, just so you know. But, but they have these oat, and they were BOGO. Have you ever sat in front of a BOGO, and you're like, I just want to grab them all. Anybody else? Like, hey, whatever. Have you ever done that and people have been behind you and you know they're waiting for the item, but you grab them all anyways? Come on. Yes. Yeah. I got you, man. I see you. It's like, hey, should have got here earlier. I love it. I love the honesty. So I was standing with Kenny. We're shopping and he goes down an aisle or something and, and uh, he's like, I'm going to go grab some things for me and my family and I'm doing some stuff over here. And so he runs over in front of this refrigerator section. And I had just grabbed every last oat milk coffee. I mean, I, I stood up on the thing. I pulled it back. And I stretched my all the way to the back. And I grabbed every single one. Like, I think it was like eight or ten of them. I just grabbed the one whole line. I loaded up. And what Kenny doesn't know until right now is I had already done that once two days ago. <laughs> and I asked the guy at Publix. I said, when did you get the next shipment in? He's like, we get shipments on Thursdays or Sundays. I'm like, I'll be back. So I knew what I was going after. So I go to the back. I grab them all. I put them in the basket. Now, I didn't know that Kenny was going to come over minutes later looking for some oat milk while cologne. But Kenny walks over. And if you know him, man, he's animated. Man, he's expressive. He's emotional. He, oh, he gets excited. And he runs over behind me. And I got the cart next to it. He's like, oh, those are on sale. And he, he didn't see the ones in the cart. But he stands in front of the refrigerator section. And he stares at the oat milk. And he, his whole life had fallen apart. <sighs> and he looked. He didn't even open the door. It was defeat from outside of the door. <sighs> and here's his words. Are you kidding me? And then he makes a statement. Who in the world says he says something to the effect of, man, there's that guy. Is there that guy? He makes this that guy statement. And I'm standing behind Kenny, trying not to crack up laughing. I'm watching this whole thing unfold, and I'm not even feeling bad. I'm just laughing internally. That's how bad of a sinner I am. I'm not even feeling remorseful in my greed. So Kenny comes over and I'm doing this to Kenny, you know. I'm like, Kenny. He's like, man, what's wrong, Kenny? He says, somebody took all the La Colognes, man. And he didn't look down at the basket. I go, Kenny. And he was so hurt by it. He's like, oh, man, it's frustrating. Like, Kenny, look down, man. And he looks down, he looks back at me and he goes, you're that guy? <laughs> and here's my Christ centered, here's faith expressing itself through love at its finest from your pastor. You snooze, you lose, Kenny. <laughs> am, I am I telling the truth? Yes. yes. If you snooze, you lose, Kenny. So the whole time we keep shopping. 
And the Holy Spirit is saying, give the coffee to Kenny. And I'm saying, no. So, so we get to the checkout line. And finally, the faith begins to express itself through love. And I got like 10 cans. Plus, I had another like 10 at home. And I'm in the checkout line. And Kenny puts the yellow divider thing out. And I'm putting my stuff on. He's putting his stuff on. And I know the Holy Spirit's telling me, give him the coffee. And I'm like, no. And then the Holy Spirit's trying to negotiate with me. Well, just give him half, Ricky. Like, be a little generous. No. Fine. And I take two. Here you go, Kenny. And Kenny was like, oh, thanks, man. Appreciate that, man. Seriously, that's so kind of you. I'm thinking to myself, no problem, Kenny. I got you, man. I'm a Christian, dude. I, that's what I do. My faith is expressing itself through love, Kenny. I gave you two of my ten. But, Kenny, I got 20 at home, so I gave you 10%, you know. Goodness gracious. So, Kenny, all week long, man, I've been thinking about this. I'm like, man, I went, I feel terrible, so to say people watching online can see it. So, I went to Publix, man, and I grabbed every freaking possible La Colombe oat milk. And I just was reminded, no, it ain't yours yet, Kenny, so hold on. I, I got to work through it, bro. I'm wondering, and I'm thinking about keeping one. But I grabbed every one possible on the shelf. And I thought about this when I grabbed it this morning. I thought, you know, Kenny's going to get like a double portion now. You know, it's like how God says, okay, you wouldn't be obedient once. And, and, here, and here's, here's the crazy part. You ready? They weren't on BOGO. So I had to pay double the price <laughs> to make it up for you. <laughs> only, 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 uh, only Jesus would do that. I'm like, man, I got to pay $3 a can now when I could have saved myself half the dollars if I just blessed you earlier. <laughs> it's there. There is one missing. I was thirsty. <laughs> no, I didn't. I gave them all to you. Man, what I wanted you to see was in this humorous story is don't see the humor. See the truth of it. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, the necessity of grace is endless. And Paul says, Christians, Christ followers, express your faith through love. And then watch daily how that faith gets challenged and your love for others gets challenged in those moments. And when you're in those situations and in moments to express your faith through love, do everything in your power to win. Here's what that story reminded me. It reminded me that I'm a sinner. Not that the sin is I didn't give Kenny the coffee. It's the, I didn't allow the faith to be expressed through a moment of love. It's just how easy it is in a simple story like that and so many others, from forgiveness to letting things go to helping those in need, so many times I'm reminded of the necessity of God's grace on my life. Imagine the impact we would have on the world around us, church, if we lived every day expressing our faith in Christ through love. Imagine the impact in our world if we allowed Christ's love and the faith that we have for him to be expressed through kindness. Imagine a world that people's faith would be expressed through patience. Their faith would be expressed through encouragement. Their faith would be expressed through providing the truth. Their faith would be expressed through sharing the gospel of Jesus with people, freeing them from the entanglement and slavery of sin. Imagine what would happen, church, if people got a hold of this and love compelled them so much that they would reach out to those who don't know Christ. This is Paul's dream for his church. It's Christ's hope for his church that his Love in you would be expressed outwardly to the world around you. If you could do anything Christian today, watching online, all my Christians, 
Here's what I hope you would do. Allow your faith to be expressed through love. You know what real love is? Telling someone the truth. Not just about their sin, but how they can be freed from it. Imagine what the church would look like if we got together and expressed our faith in Christ through love. Imagine how many more people will be freed from sin and embraced by the arms of grace. Would you stand up? wanted to close by singing a song and the song we're going to sing is No Longer Slaves. I want you to consider living your life no longer as a slave to sin. Would you make a decision as we sing this song together? I want to invite you to. Invite you, watching online, here in person, right here. Invite you individually to make a decision today to allow God's love to be expressed in your life. Make the decision to express your faith, your confidence in Christ. Make a decision to allow that faith to be expressed the way you love your spouse today. Go ahead and make the decision. Make the choice. I'm going to express my faith the way that I love my child. I'm going to express my faith through the way that I work at my job. Come on. Come on. I'm preaching this. I'm going to let my faith be expressed through the way I work hard at my job. I'm going to let my faith be expressed through the way that I give generously to those in need. I'm going to let my faith be expressed through the way that I serve His church. I'm going to let my faith be expressed through the way that I forgive. I'm going to let my faith be expressed through the way that I forgive myself. I'm going to let my faith be expressed through the way that I steward what God has given me. I'm going to let my faith be expressed through the way that I care for my neighbor. I'm going to let my faith is going to be expressed through the way I share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those around me. I'm going to let my faith be expressed wherever I go. I'm going to let my faith be expressed through love. Make the decision to be freed to do that. The greatest thing Satan wants to do is entangle you and keep you a slavery to sin and not allow you to express your faith through love. Make the decision today, church, to be freed of that. Jesus, I pray that we'd be freed. We'd be a church that's free. Set our church free to express our faith in you through love. Make the decision. Make the decision. All those watching online, make the decision. I'm going to express my faith through love. One law fulfilled to love our neighbor as ourselves. Make the decision today to express your faith through your love for others. Be free, church. Let's sing it out.
Yeah. 